Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 132, and I'm your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And for our video game roundtable episodes, we like to cast our net wide into the industry and catch uh, people who know what they're talking about when it comes to video games, reel them in and how far can I take this uh, fishing analogy, reel them into our podcast and get them to talk something, I don't know, prize catch. Um, there we go. Where am I? I'm like totally derailed my own intro. But in that net, I think that's what I was getting to is Twitch ambassador and voice actor Mia Byte. So Mia, welcome back to the show. Help, help. I'm trapped in the net. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello. How are you doing today? I'm good. See, Mia gets the assignment. So uh, welcome. I'll catch you today. There you go. I just wrapped a bow on that. Hey. Pulled it, pulled it back from the brink. Um, no, thanks again for joining us. Um, Mia was last on a roundtable episode where we talked about E3, apparently. That's what it says in my notes. And Ooh. that happened because... I'm glad you remember because I, I cannot my past self put it in the notes so my present <laughs> self could remember and, and look smart so there we go so we're here to talk more video games in our special roundtable episode uh, as a reminder you can subscribe to story x story uh, pretty much wherever you get your podcast from as always you can send us your feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com or you can throw them at us on social media we are at myamada on twitter at my matter tv on instagram and tiktok uh, or at tazzy on all the above and get ready for our new studio 77 membership which is coming in the spring got a lot of changes that we're working on in the background this is one of them and we're gonna be creating this platform where we're gonna put all our video content uh, we're gonna have uh, access to our digital comic uh, illustration content and early access to tickets for all my matter events uh, from here uh, until infinity so you can join our studio 77 discord for free today uh, be part of the universe and you'll get heads up on uh, the changes that are coming and you'll be able to meet others in the community and we'll have more news on the changes and what's to come over the coming weeks and months all right, so before we get into today's video game discussions, let's update you with the latest from the MyMatter Network. One of the other things that we're going to be working on is manga. So we are, we had, like me and Tazzy, we had this whole big meeting. It was like, what's, what's what we're going to do for the year? Um, one of the things is more manga. So I know I've been promising this for a long while uh, and, you know, stuff happens. Nature is small business, uh, small creative business even. Uh, and our Kickstarter kept keep being pushed back. But we are working on the uh, origin story featuring Tazzy's character. We are actually going to have a Kickstarter. It is going to be a real thing. We are working on the story as well. In the meantime, you can get all the titles from the world's first manga network online today. That's from our very first, which is Samurai Chef, to the very latest, which is Serious Through the Fog. We have all ages stories and all set within our shared universe of characters. We're going to be talking gaming today and we have our Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign, which was launched in 2022 to promote inclusion and diversity in the video games industry. So we did this in February 2022 and had a whole sequence of events. The response was super positive, but the need remains. So the whole idea of the challenge of proving diversity in the games industry uh, has meant that we've decided to make the campaign a yearly initiative. So we're going to 
build on what we've done last year, our lessons learned and all that, and then continue to push for diversity in games culture and industry. So that means a new schedule of events and a new photo shoot. So we are currently, as this podcast is being recorded, uh, looking for uh, a new or looking to take a new snapshot of 40 players and makers in an effort to showcase the representation that does exist today so we can inspire future future generations of diverse talent. So depending on when you're listening to this, you can head to the campaign website or check the show notes to see how you could be part of the photo campaign. But if you're listening to this later, you probably missed out. Uh, but don't worry, because we're going to have a bunch of events uh, that will be free to attend and uh, will allow you to take part from roundtable events to game jams to networking uh, events as well. And we're going to be starting with our campaign launch live stream on Saturday, the 15th of April. So that's where we're going to be kicking off the this year's campaign uh, with a live stream with myself and Tazzy and other campaign supporters to talk about what the campaign means to us and what's to come for the rest of the year. So definitely excited about that and bringing another round of events and opportunities for people to get involved and just, yeah, bring more diversity to the video games industry. That is a quick snapshot of what's been happening in the My Matter universe. Now let's find out what everyone has been playing. Yeah, so we love to get a quick discussion about what everyone has been playing and we'll start with our guest Mia. Hey, yeah. So uh oh, I've been playing a bunch, so I could I could start anywhere recently. Um I would say the most recent game I've been playing is Metroid Prime Remastered. Mm. That was recently shadow dropped at the Nintendo Direct and yeah, I like a Beyonce album. Yeah. <laughs> I lost my mind <laughs> absolutely like i if you could see the shelf behind me i literally have like a samus helmet back there oh, cool. and a bunch of different uh metroid merch i'm a, I'm a pretty big metroid fan so this is like an all-time classic uh game which i think released about 21 years ago at this point and i don't think i've Was played it, it for yeah yeah Ooh, i think it released in like 2002 something like that yeah i think i've got a like magazine cover somewhere with it on <laughs> i feel ancient uh, not just, that i don't believe you but I'm, about it. I'm literally googling this because <laughs> i don't want to believe you <laughs> yeah yeah funnily enough it was uh, i think it was the second or potentially the first ever metroid game i ever played i it came out on the exact same day as metroid fusion fusion and i remember picking up both one for the gba and, and this for the uh the gamecube at the time it was just a wonderful experience and like mm. diving in now and playing it on stream has just been absolutely fantastic. They've made no real like changes to the original. It's literally almost like for like. The only thing they've really done is just overhaul all of the graphics and uh, essentially change the control scheme as well. Mm. So you you go in there, they, they give you the opportunity to use the old control scheme too. But I, I tried using the old control scheme. <laughs> It is kind of like unplayable at this point. It's like weird tank controls because you only really had one uh, stick to like move around and aim with. Um, you have to like hold down the left or right triggers to like stop in place so you can actually look around. It's ridiculous. 
So what they've done is they've actually added like uh, modern day like dual stick controls, which is actually really, really cool. It just makes everything so much easier. You still have the lock on that they feature in the game to lock on to enemies and target them. But it's it's a really, really fun experience. Essentially, you just get to be Samus Aran going down to this big what this like maze of a world on Talon 4 and just exploring the environment, this rich environment. You can scan everything with your scan visor and just learn all these little minute details about enemies or foliage or just the way that the environment interacts with the wildlife and how they coexist together and how this this weird outside force, the main kind of like antagonist of the game phase on has, has kind of corrupted everything on that planet. And it's it's cool. It's not like a... I think people don't describe it as a first-person shooter. They they describe it more as a first-person adventure, and that's definitely what you feel. Mm. I just... I can even do without the combat in this game. I'm just happy just to run around solving puzzles and just, like, exploring. That's that's how fun it is for me, personally. Have you have you both played Metroid games, or...? Um, so, yeah, I have, a, like, a confession. I've never played a Metroid <gasps> game. <laughs> it's been on my playlist since it was on that magazine cover like way back when <laughs> that's why you still got a magazine cover uh, mm-hmm. i played it on the wii and because i thought i played metro prime but that was on the gamecube and now i'm thinking which one did i play they did release trilogy on the wii okay so okay one and two were on the gamecube and then the third one was on the the wii but then they followed that up with metro prime trilogy which put everything on the wii with motion controls i think that's the one uh, that's the one that I played then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I don't. I hadn't played it up until that point. I mean, I guess a while ago. But I haven't also haven't played it since, which I don't know why. Because I know they just released like last year Metroid Dread, right? Which I that's completely different experience though. That's like your side scrolling, side scrolling, right? Yeah, yeah. Adventure, but I, fantastic game. But yeah, yeah, I heard that too. So I, and I, I want to get into this, and I just I want to get into more Metroid now. This is making me want to jump back in after mm-hmm. years and years. I think the uh, the great thing about Metroidvania games in general that I absolutely love, so, you know, your Metroids, your Castlevanias, is that you essentially have this puzzle of a map, this, like, labyrinthian map where you mm. get your upgrades. Uh, as you progress, you get upgrades, and that gives you access to areas that you couldn't get to before, like, but you may have yes. seen, like, further back in the game. And just that feeling of being like, oh, I have this thing now. Does that mean that I can do this? And then you do the thing. You're like, I could totally like swing over there and get that thing that I couldn't reach before. <laughs> it's, it's just so fulfilling and, and so much fun. Uh, it feels like you're solving a little puzzle box as you yeah. go. Yeah, so great. No, I do like that. It's like it reminds me of um, the Ori games, Ori in the Blind Forest. Yeah, those are Metroidvania games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. which I, I love that game. But we're not here to talk about that game. But I did, I do love that game. Mm-hmm. I, I would highly recommend uh, any kind of metroidvania game whether it's uh again metro prime or uh say like dead cells you know throwing some roguelike elements but yeah uh, definitely worth like uh, going in there and experiencing it for yourself um they've added in like a bunch of uh behind the scenes artwork and stuff too into the main menu that you unlock by playing the game so it's really cool to just go in there and see all the concept art and things from the actual production itself and and there's there's also motion controls. If you did like the Wii version, you can you can jump on the motion controls there too. But definitely worth the experience. I've also been playing a little bit of uh, Theat Rhythm Final Final Bar Line, I think it's called, which is the Final Fantasy Rhythm game. Have either of you played that? 
No, but it sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Um, so the original theater rhythm, I believe, was back on the DS, if that was the first one. And it's essentially just your your standard kind of like Final Fantasy inspired rhythm game. So Final Fantasy has some of the best music tracks in all of gaming. So just being able to jump in there, I feel feel like if you get the deluxe version, you have access to about 385 songs or something. Wow. Because you get the DLC as well, which is going to be coming out at some point. But like, um, it's hard. It's difficult. I played it on like the, the regular mode and I, and I struggle. I struggle with rhythm games as it is. And I don't really like play them all that often. But there's just something about the Final Fantasy music that's like, I, I just love this franchise so much that I, I just need to, I just need to, just need to play this. Um, I've, I got it on Switch. I was actually very fortunate that uh, Square Enix sent me a copy. So thank you for that. Um, they sent me the deluxe version, so I literally just like have everything on the handheld, and I've been playing it in bed. Like I'll <laughs> I'll wind down for the night, I'll get into bed. I was like, yeah, let's let's play a few songs, and then I'll play until my hands hurt, and I'm like, okay, I can't play this anymore. I'm gonna go to sleep now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's actually amazing. So much fun, so much fun. And uh, I think what else? Like Crisis Core as well. I played through the um. Crisis Core, which is a Final Fantasy VII spinoff, funnily enough, also has music in Theory Rhythm for the first time. And I think that released on the PSP, like, I don't even know when that released. That was probably like a good 15 years ago at this point. But I never had a PlayStation Portable, so I, I never played it. And so I played it through for the first time. Final Fantasy VII is probably like one of my favorite game of all time. So I was always kind of like missing the experience of playing this spinoff because it was always on a console that I didn't own. And I've played it. And... I kind of love it and simultaneously hate it at the same time. <laughs> it is the hammiest melodramatic story I think I've gotten into. It retcons a bunch of stuff about the original Final Fantasy VII that actively makes me hate Crisis Core. <laughs> um, it stars uh, Zack as uh, a character who, who, if you've played Final Fantasy VII, have you both played Final Fantasy VII? Or? No. No, I have oh played my God. one Final Fantasy game. Oh, which which Final Fantasy game? Technically two. Uh, so I've played Final Fantasy 15 and technically I've played the online MMO. What's it called? 14? Yeah, that one. Yeah, well, 14 is great. I couldn't get into 15. I don't know, there's something about the combat in that game. I just never completed it. But, that's um, what got me into 15 was the combat. I was like, oh, really? oh my God, I love it. Yeah, I think that's why mm -hmm. I never got into Final Fantasy games is because I was like, oh, like Pokemon is the only turn-based game I can play <laughs> yeah. with. Like that's well, the extent of turn-based for me. <laughs> if you want a kind of similar experience, I guess, you can play uh, Final Fantasy 7 Remake, which will give you a breakdown of the, I've played some the of general... That. Have you? Yes. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of that? I liked it, but then I know that it's very different from the original, and I I feel like yeah. I don't know if it's a if you like the original, will you like the new one? I, well, it, there's two camps of thought in this. It's uh, like uh, people who wanted a shot for shot remake of the original are very angry that the uh, yeah. the new game kind of like splits off and goes in a different direction, and people who kind of like see the bigger picture kind of know that it's it's not actually a remake. It's more of like a pseudo sequel to the original game, uh, kind of okay, like a reinterpretation, okay. uh, like a, a separate timeline almost. Because it's hard and to do I a think... shot for shot remake of a game that was so big, but because it was like 2 or 2.5D or whatever, it, you could mm. fit a lot in where you couldn't oh, do that. Oh, with totally. Yeah. But um, with Remake, they've expanded on like a lot of stuff there, like sequences, uh, okay. the Midgar sequence that. The, the, this remake game takes place in takes probably about a couple of hours 
on on which when you're playing the original Final Fantasy VII, it's it's not that long to get through. You play the uh, the remake, that same sequence of events because they've expanded upon it so much takes probably like fifteen hours, like eight to fifteen hours plus, depending on how long it takes you to get through things. Because they've gone in like really high detail on like expanding on different characters and giving them more to do and and actually like giving characters backstories where they there wasn't anything before, which is really cool to see and as a fan like i really appreciate that but um i could see why people would be annoyed with it but um yeah crisis core is a prequel to that so it stars a character called zach who has a lot to do with the ff7 story but isn't really in that game but it does have an effect on that game and it kind of retcons some stuff that takes place in final fantasy 7 and honestly makes it worse and like some of the character choices steal agency away from some of the choices in the original Final Fantasy VII. So there is this. Uh, do you know the character Aerith, for instance? Everybody knows Aerith, the 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 girl in the pink dress, the flower girl from okay. yeah, yeah. from Seven. So it's revealed in Crisis Core that uh, Zach meeting Aerith is what sets her on the path to sell her flowers in the slums. And I just got so mad at that. It's like, it's not an idea that she came up with. Some guy had to come along and say, mm. oh, you know what? You could be selling those flowers for money. And I'm just like, ah, this is the decisions <laughs> that this game. They have to weave this particular character into every major decision that takes place in Final Fantasy VII, including like the name of Tifa's bar uh, being Seventh Heaven. It's like, oh, Zach came up with that. And it's just... Oh. That's a uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's like in uh, the Han Solo movie where you get every specific thing. You, you know how Han Solo got his dice or Chewie oh, okay, got his yeah. nickname. It's like, I don't need to know this stuff. <laughs> I yeah. already accepted it. So why are we? Uh, yeah, yeah, just back? reiterating it. So um, that was both a fulfilling and infuriating experience. But uh, I enjoyed the game overall. Uh, it's a very emotional if you know what happens in them. Um, FF7 as a as a title, but uh, I would say skip Crisis Core, just play the original FF7, and then go into it afterwards if you have that much uh, love for it. But I just still consider that game as non-canon in my head. These decisions that have been made, they don't exist. They don't exist. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's mostly what I've been playing over the last couple of weeks. What have uh, what have you all been playing? So I've been mainly playing the game of life, which leads me on to <laughs> I've, I've, I've managed the to toughest put game. Very so difficult hard. settings on that game. Oh my god! Like, why is there no difficulty like levels on this game? <laughs> also, character creation awful, awful. <laughs> um. So, but I did. I've managed to to stream twice this week, which I'm mm. very proud of. And so I decided to then just continue to play the game of life and play Sims Four. Um, oh. <laughs> so that was kind of like the only game I think I've. Oh no, it's not the only game I've played this year. I played a bit of Animal Crossing, so I'm really, really diving into the life stuff here. <laughs> I mean, like, I can see that you're uh, attracted to lifestyle uh, simulators. There, what, what, what do you think attracts you to those those types of games? Because, like, when when it comes to The Sims, I'm not a massive like fan of it. Like. I like the spectacle of being like, oh, I can build some stuff and make a really nice house. And then as soon as I've built the house, it's like, I don't really care about what the people are doing inside of the house. <laughs> like, what, what, is, what is your experience with The Sims? What, what gets um, you into that game? So I like loads of different elements of The Sims. But the specific, like this specific time round uh, was like, so I streamed on Valentine's Day. I was like, I need like a great idea for Valentine's Day. I was like, I know. I like create 
a game show-esque household oh. on The Sims. So, like, I'm, I was feeling, like, too hot to handle Bachelorette. So it's kind of <laughs> like, put a load of people in a house and, you know... So I done that, that the prefaces, there was my character and a bunch of other characters that were supposed to be the uh, eligible bachelor, bachelorette, bachelor exes. So yeah, it, that was the idea. On Valentine's, we didn't quite get round to properly playing The Sims until like about half an hour to an hour before I was finishing my stream <laughs> because tech issues, obviously. And then I jumped back on it on the other day that was after Tuesday. <laughs> I'm guessing Thursday. Um, <laughs> One of those days on the calendar. So they're, they're out there. I know. Uh, so we actually started the playthrough because the hour of stream gameplay that I got in before was obviously just character creation. Because I'm surprised I got through it in about an hour. That was a miracle. Mm. <laughs> and so, yeah, we like started that and i was kind of like making the rules of the house up as i went along and basically giving them like days there's like a day where there's like a house task a house challenge that they have to do together and then i'm going to score them so the house challenge we done on thursday was they had to go fishing together they had to go fishing <laughs> together yeah, and like the rules of like my gameplay is that I'm prim primarily only allowed to control my character with a few like small exceptions. But other than that, like I just have to let the other characters do their thing. <laughs> so it sounds like you're essentially like trying to be a sheep herder with no direct control over anybody else. That sounds chaotic <laughs> yeah. as hell. Um, I also asked if people wanted to be a sim in my Sims house game. And okay. <laughs> GFA decided that he wanted to be a baby. And I was like, <laughs> this is not the kind of house that has a baby. I was like, fine, you can be a baby, but um, yeah, you're going to be neglected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now I just have like a neglected baby in this house full of like hot singles. <laughs> you know what? I would pay to watch that, uh, that, that program. Honestly. Yeah, that's a show. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Five no uh, hot singles and a neglected baby, baby. all going to a house. And it's, it's no one's baby. It's just a random baby. <laughs> Comes with a house. Yeah, it came mm -hmm. with a house. Um, <laughs> so like when we went fishing, the baby had to come because the whole house went. <laughs> and then as soon as we got there, just was asleep on the floor because it had no cot yet. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny and hilarious. And then all a load of my Sims got jobs and I was like, why? And just then made them quit their jobs because <laughs> Honestly, that's the dream, isn't it? Like you're getting yeah. a job. Why? Why? <laughs> like the show pays you. Like they don't have to worry about their bills. They're gonna earn and lose money according to their behaviors. So yeah, active cheats. I love that about Sims. The only thing I'm disappointed about is that technical issues. I couldn't get working doing a PC gameplay of it because uh, that would require a dual stream setup, and that was what was not working. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I'm playing on Xbox, which is fine, but I'm not, I don't enjoy The Sims as much. Not for like this kind of gameplay that I'm doing with a controller. Also, I wanted to add mods. 
I'm like, yeah, it's like, is, is it even worth playing The Sims without mods at this point? There's so many cool mods that I've seen. It's like, do, would you really want to play vanilla? I know Sims? it's so hard to play vanilla Sims. Like, mm. there's like a really good like relationship mod that I wanted to add to it, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I couldn't do that for this because uh, the dual setup was not working and I needed to go live. <laughs> but yeah. So that's what I've been playing. I really want to be playing like loads of other games, but soon I will have time and energy to yeah. actually do that when life's not kicking my butt so bad. Uh, but Nigel, what's your games? Or game? uh, uh, one, one game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, intentionally so. So I will say, you know what? Games are great because uh, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but we're all just describing very different experiences and I'm about to describe another different uh, experiences. I've also been playing a game that was made this year because uh, I don't want to make myself feel old unlike both of your games, which made me consider the passage of time and I do not like that. So I've been playing a game from, well, last year, but you know, recent times recent times i've been playing god of war if you couldn't tell that already I heck feel yeah people... ragnarok yeah. right that's such yeah. a good experience if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time you will know this is coming it's the only game i've been playing it's the only game that matters to me right now and i love it so yeah oh yeah, i should give more context actually <laughs> sorry i was like <laughs> i say i'm done god of war what more do you need to know so i'm about 30 30 odd hours in which uh, is pretty good going because uh, I don't usually mm. get <laughs> this far in games this this quickly. So that's an achievement for me. And I, I'm trying to think why do I like this game so much? There's So there's different aspects to it. I'm quite deep into the story and I like what they've done, the direction they've taken the story because it's always a challenge with... So going from like God of War 3 to the sort of redone God of War, it's like a really big step and sort of drastic changes in uh, Kratos as a character and the themes of the story just made it more mature, more sort of layered. Well, I mean, it was a story because before it was, it was a little bit of a, a 2D character, as fun as that was to play. Mm. So in, in that sense, the, the difference between that God of War and God of War Ragnarok is not as great. You're just continuing. So then the challenge is how do you take on that story of, you know, this, this man learning to become a father uh, and they kind of continue that, but they've added other elements other characters and other story threads and i feel like they've they've done it pretty well because sometimes you can fall to the just packing more stuff and you lose the thread but i feel they've so far they've done a good job of continuing the thread of kratos as this this father figure and uh, atreus who is now grown up and questioning things like sort of going through essentially like identity, like who am I? I wanted to know more. And then just the natural thing of going from preteen to essentially teen and then all the issues that come with like not always listening to father or parents and uh, parents struggling with how far do you let the world go and let your child be their, their own child and just the, the conflicts that come with that. But then allowing the people to those two characters to explore through other people other characters and i won't say too much not to be too spoiler but they've also done something similar in terms of what the last of us part two did in in letting you see other perspectives in the game mm. so really enjoy yeah really enjoy that and then there's mechanics and that's what one of the reasons why god of war is like 
for me, the, the best game made. And uh, I think it's just a great blend of the story and the themes and the mechanics because this game just feels so good to play. It's so visceral. And I just like so often find myself like actually like ducking out of the way of things and trying to get like hits in with characters and just getting uh, there's moments because you have to, the way they've done the gameplay is that you can hack and slash to a certain extent for a certain level of enemy. And then there's different levels of, of enemies where you don't have to know the timings, the blocks and everything. And then there's like a whole other level of, of enemy as well. So sometimes I'll, uh, if I haven't played for a little while, I'll, I'll come in a bit rusty and I'll just like assume everyone's like lower level and then I'll just get, um, <laughs> just get, uh, just kicked off, <laughs> off screen. Just get your like, butt okay. handed to you by yeah, those progress. Yeah. yeah, you find exactly. those holes and then they just destroy you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then I have to be like, oh no, no, actually I need to switch on now. <laughs> let me, let me do this <laughs> properly. And then you sort of take up the challenge in that game. It just is such a good game to, uh, to play. So, uh, I can talk on and on about God of War, but, and I will, because, uh, we have more podcasts to record. So at some point I'm going to finish this game and uh yeah then i then i can let other games in i just want to ask without spoilers uh how like how far you said 30 hours in are you doing like all the side quests as they they come up because that's the thing that got me it's like whenever there's a side quest just like i'm losing about another yeah. couple of hours of time to just go and exploring i know right because i'm like in games i'm usually like a do the main quest and be done and maybe get side quests like i'm not someone who go out and try and get all the achievements i'm like tell me mm -hmm. the story and then i'm good but because they've done the side quests in a way that just it fits with the story kind of weaves in and like adds to adds to yeah. it yeah yeah it just it just mm -hmm. adds to everything and it, so you just you want to go out and, and explore and then it just gives you more time to play the game and just hack and slash uh things so i'll i'll take up that opportunity too so yeah i'm i'm pretty far some some monumental things have happened some of the the like the moments like it, it has very good almost like iconic moments in the story mm -hmm. that just and visually it's it's uh it's stunning and it, yeah it's, it's just a such an amazing effort like by this creative team yeah absolutely gorgeous like cinematic game one thing i actually want to ask you is how have you fared with the puzzles in that game because i know a lot of people were talking about how frustrating their the experience has been for them like they're trying mm. to solve a puzzle and all of a sudden a character will chime in and essentially give uh, you the answer okay. i found yeah. that extremely frustrating as well as somebody who really likes solving puzzles how have you how have you been faring with that so i would agree that that is there's probably uh, if i was going to knock the game for something that would be one thing where it seems very quick to offer the solution and mm. sometimes like you know you want to play a game you want to explore you want to be given the space to just get things wrong or be like trying this three times and it doesn't work and go oh, okay actually i need to do this and it is the game does seem pretty quick to, to jump in and i mean i like the way it does it but i almost wish they would have i don't know just dialed it down a bit so it just it yeah it at least allows you to try a few more times because now i feel there'd be times where i feel like i i have to get it quick otherwise you're going to tell me the answer and mm -hmm. then I'll, uh, yeah then i feel like i didn't really achieve it or, on my own I feel like that's just that just sounds really stressful. It just sounds like streaming with loads of backseat gamers watching you. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. exactly. The game is backseating you yeah, as you're playing. A bit. And because it's not like I say, the way they do it, it's done well, it's just if you delay by five minutes <laughs> and it and it's yeah. perfect. 
Or if you, uh, you they just add an option in to like say you know turn hints down to like a minimum. But yeah. by the same token as well, there were instances in that game where I was waiting for them to say something <laughs> yeah. because I was there for about ten minutes trying to figure out this thing, being like, okay, I could use a little bit of a hint now, yeah. and then there's just no. nothing, and it's like, okay, cool, I see how it is. It is yeah, I know you're just gonna that watch me do worse. this thing. So yeah, that could have been fine tuned. It doesn't take away from the game, but yeah, that that's definitely something that. Uh, I noticed. Mm -hmm. Fantastic experience. But yeah, no, it's just uh, amazing, amazing experience, amazing, um, amazing game. And uh, yeah, one I will come back to on the podcast. So if you haven't got tired of me talking about it yet, there's still a few more hours to go. So you might actually uh, convince me to play it at this rate. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> I managed to watch a watch a sports show, so. That is true. This is my thing on the podcast. I'll, I'll just repeat it enough so Tazzy will just be wear, wear down and be like, all right, now I have to watch a football show. Now I have to play God of War. <laughs> See, I, I played a long game. <laughs> um, so those are some of the games that we have been enjoying or not when it comes to Crisis Core. But <laughs> I mean, I mostly enjoyed it overall. Uh, just it's an odd experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's Japanese. So, you know, it's a really yeah, Japanese it's, it's anime all... game kind of expectations that come with that as well but let's get into our gaming news segment and for our roundtable episodes we like to look across the games industry for big topics and stories that catch our interest and discuss them as our esteemed panel so we tend to have like some new story that pops up and catches our eye we definitely have one and this is a story that I, I broke to Tazzy live and we both had a really bad reaction. Uh, to I, wish, it. I wish you'd had a camera going at that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I actually felt bad like bring, being the, the person to break it to you because uh, I that could feel like the... delivering the death of someone. Yes. Like, the news of the death oh. of someone. Oh my God. Like I was so heartbroken. <laughs> so I'll start with the, the wider topic and then we'll drill down into why it, it touched us uh, so much. So live service games we've recently seen a a stream of cuts uh, and games ending and it gives the impression that the live service model may be about to burst uh, so I, I pulled from different stories to get different perspectives but uh, there's a story from uh, GameSpot that uh, that homes in on the reason why because one of the live stream games that is being ended is Knockout City which we have played uh, multiple times on our games nights and had a very good time with and now is is closing so i guess we'll, we'll lead with that so from GameSpot, um say when velen studios took to social media to alert players that its pvp dodgeball game knockout city will be closing forever in june it genuinely ruined my night this is mark delaney from GameSpot, and i i agree uh, roughly one year after breaking away from ea to self-publish the game and reimagine its economy for a free-to-play world, it seems that Knockout City's successes were not numerous enough to keep the game going. So we've got a bunch of games that are being ended, and in a very short space of time, we lost games like uh, Echo VR, Crime Sight, Dragon Quest, The Adventure of Die, Heroes Bond, Crossfire X, Rumbleverse, Knockout City, Apex Mobile, Battlefield Mobile. These are a lot of games. Apart from Knockout City, which touches us, Mia, are there any games ending that particularly uh, touched you? And what do you think about just this this rash of uh, live service games being ended? 
Oof. Well, I mean, there's there's still a, like a but there's a whole bunch of I think Square Enix games that got uh, slashed as well recently as well. There was the mm. um the the FF7 Battle Royale, funnily enough, that got axed and um, oh wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's that's been axed. Also, uh, oh god, what was that game? I cannot remember the name of it, but it was the one with the terrible art style by Platinum Games. Um, um... Lord. Lord, it's it, it mm-hmm. it's it's completely left me. But that was kind of like dead on arrival. They they completely like cancelled that off too. That was meant to be like a live servicey type thing. They've ended the part for the live service part of the Avengers, and now are focusing just yep. on like the single player aspect of it. Which to be fair, they probably should have done from the beginning. Yeah, to be fair on that one, Outriders. Uh, I'm surprised that one hasn't gone yet. Funnily enough, I imagine that, Is that would the probably Ubisoft be next. one. Uh, no, no, no. That's also Square Enix oh, uh, published. Yeah. It was quite um, fun, but a bit... Mm. Yeah, yeah, that, that left a lot to be desired. And I'm just surprised that one hasn't gone yet, which is it's so weird to me. But I, I don't know. Like, a lot of these games I didn't play. I guess not enough people did. <laughs> so yeah, the, that's, I think that's point. like the whole point, really. Uh, even um, they were talking about, I think a news article recently came out about, oh, what is that Smash clone that uh, Warner Brothers... Uh, why have I forgotten it? Because we also played it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The name just escaped me. I I like that one as well. They've been talking about that player account just like completely like crashing down to a small percent of what it it actually was. And that as a live service title. That might be going next. I don't know. But like, again, there's so many live service games just vying for people's time that this was kind of inevitable, Mm -hmm. essentially developers and publishers expecting people to essentially have to grind for every single game that they're playing with like a battle pass or, or new content or anything like that. It's 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 very, very difficult. I mean, I played a little bit of Overwatch 2. I did the first battle pass on that. I was playing Fortnite at the same time. I was doing the battle pass on that. And it's just as soon as some other games came along that was single player, I just completely abandoned playing those games because like I'd, I'd rather just have this experience, this whole experience, mm. than, than have to just constantly grind and grind and grind to like unlock little bits of content that are drip fed to you. And I think that's what the big issue is, is that they demand so much of everyone's time and everybody's decided let's just make countless <laughs> live service games there's there's yeah. people just don't have enough time in the day to, to play them and and now they're reaping what they sowed essentially which is unfortunate but yeah there's definitely only so much space for live service games mm. and then i find as well like there's a I mean, there's like how many battle royales do we need? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, there's only so many. And then a lot of like the versus games, like, there's only room for so many of those. And as well, when you limit your game to only one thing, I feel like one of the things I miss about like retro games is that you'd have the story. And then I'm not even talking that retro, but they'd probably be cast as retro. You'd have the story and then you'd have the multiplayer. And now you just have, you have to like... The multiplayer. You just have the multiplayer Mm. or just these single player experiences when really a lot of us want to have our single player experience, but then on occasion share that experience with with some friends. (laughs) And I feel like they've lost, we've lost so much of like what games can do. And then we've mm. lost a lot of quality as well because it's yeah. just 
I think you've, money you've hit the nail on the head there. It's a literally just a cash grab, isn't it? It's like they've seen that these are popular. Everybody wants to be the new Fortnite. Like Fortnite was wildly successful and they introduced the battle pass and, you know, they could continue putting out content and developers and publishers saw that and like, okay, this is the way to go. Let's ship these out, these rushed projects out without like a focus on actually creating quality first. Just say, okay, th which is exactly what happened with that game, which the name I can't remember of from Platinum <laughs> Games. I'm going to have to have to look this up. Yeah, I feel like we need a little... <laughs> yeah, but it's like the, the gameplay was pretty solid, but it was like such a watered down kind of experience surrounding it. You jump in there straight away, you're bombarded with like a battle pass and like microtransactions and all these little things that are just vying for your money. It's like you could tell that it's shallow and it doesn't care about actually giving the player a good experience. It's more about trying to get as much money out of the player as possible for, you know, cosmetic items and things that don't, realistically matter to the user experience and uh, the fact that this has been focused on so often with with companies putting multiple live service games titles out themselves what did they think was going to happen it's like yeah, yeah yeah there is that element but so yeah the money obviously that's that's like a big core but just to come back to you mentioned like the the quality and the thing that i couldn't quite wrap my head around and like I say, Knockout City is like <laughs> so dear to our hearts because we yeah. had such a good time. That is but actually it's genuinely a, good a quality game. game. <laughs> it's a good yeah. game. And I feel terrible. I've never played it. Uh, I'm part of the uh, problem, I guess. Well, you, you got six months or less, <laughs> less than oh, six sorry. months. <laughs> it was Babylon's, sorry, that game was Babylon's Fall. And it's oh, kind of like, it, it makes sense because like, I can't remember the title because nobody played it. So that <laughs> <laughs> The title and the game is news to me. So <laughs> I remember it being like spoke about once and being like oh that looks really cool and then like that was it that was <laughs> <laughs> yeah so with knockout city then you have a, a good quality game that was being played by a lot of people so i think like more than 12 million people at some point over uh, over his two years were playing the game so to me the thing i can't wrap my head around it what does it say about like the model where a a good game that is fun to play that people were playing can't survive in the market because if we're not here to play good fun games what are we doing here so that's quite worrying because that to me says there's there's something wrong like fundamentally with the model for live service games where you can only get maybe like one or two fortnite call of duty mm. war zone mm -hmm. and then everything else dies well it, it could be about be about publisher expectation as well you know, like how um, yeah. the same thing as the movie industry where something is or, or even game sales in general, where if something doesn't hit a, a quota, it's considered a failure. Whereas, you know, it could be doing really, really well for itself, even with like that smaller player base. But because it hasn't hit so and so numbers, it is considered a failure. Yeah, that's a good point. That could be part of the problem. That's true. Yeah. Because then as well, if we look at Among Us, which oh, yeah. obviously mm -hmm. was small team made a game thought nothing of it and then it blew up during the pandemic and like again it's created a great experience um but mm. obviously they had like super low expectations <laughs> yeah <laughs> like and maybe like it's just the idea of like live service games is just really challenging because to keep a player base and because of the nature of like a lot of live service games they're not the sort of thing that you're constantly going to be grind grinding a lot of the mm -hmm. time unless you're just someone that's really really into that one game that 
it's just hard and you you kind of just have to have really low expectations and then if it yeah blows up, it blows up <laughs> I, I think it's about like management of these particular games as well and uh mm. keeping the player invested in these titles because there's so much competition in the industry yeah. it's like if you haven't got a solid plan of what is coming out and when that is coming out and you're not and you're not communicating if you're not communicating that with your player base your player base of course your player base is going to become uninterested in the product mm. like there, there's so much vying for your attention like you have to be out there saying okay this is coming at this date and you have to stand by that and you have to like fix problems too if anything comes out which is fundamentally broken mm. again like Babylon's Fall was a, a muddy, weird mess, or Avengers was a, an absolute mess on arrival. <laughs> it's like you're completely destroying the expectations of, of your your audience and that it's not going to be a successful product. Mm. For instance, oh God, Anthem even, like Anthem. Oh wow, yes. speak of that? Dead the <laughs> Going back to one of the, like the first major uh, live service game fails, just like... Yeah. Anthem being its own, okay, this release fundamentally broken. Yeah. We're in, like, we have this uh, roadmap, but we haven't necessarily, we're very nebulous about when things are going to be fixed. Unless you have the content there and an audience expectation of when this is going to happen, like, people are just going to switch off. Yeah. Also, don't release your game when it's basically just the demo. <laughs> mm, <true. laughs> I, think, I think a big, like, success of way to succeed as a live service game as well as massively community oh yeah mm -hmm. and i think destiny 2 is a massive example of this mm. because all i hear destiny 2 players say, telling me is how terrible that game is <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because like the really successful uh, live service games tend to have like that big element of community for instance mm. uh, like your mmos like final fantasy 14 like the community behind 14 is like huge not to mention that there is endless amounts of content in that game you could play that game for for probably like 100 200 hours and and still have a bunch of content left to do there's it so much there. hours just to get past the like initial story wow. to actually get to the good bit like everyone's like just keep playing you'll get to the good bit and I'm like when, when? yeah mm -hmm. so <laughs> i feel like it's it's really uh, a combination of all of these things like oversaturation of the market plus not being like not giving your players enough meat to chew on which yeah. is a big problem with this and maybe it's yeah. just the it's kind of where we are because you bring up an mmo and and it feels somewhat familiar in that sense where you had like what a warcraft or even like everquest if you want to go about that for where mmos that pop up and they're wildly successful and then if i sort of put my business hat on it's like it's money <laughs> like we've already touched on but it's like monthly revenue and as a small business i'm becoming more and more aware of the need for like monthly predictable revenue and how that just changes things uh, as a business so obviously yeah. you you want that so we've got now we've had like i mentioned Fortnite just being a wild success and everyone going oh they're getting people to pay for whatever content we'll have some of that let's let's do that so it makes sense on that pure level but then what we've got as as we mentioned like the expectations and i feel this to a wider looking at a wider scope on this is you know games like is a business and it's becoming more of a business and with that comes <laughs> business things so yeah you will see like quarterly results from from apple and they've made x billion profit but because it's not the x billion and two profit <laughs> that 
that the market predicted, their share price goes down. And I feel we're seeing something similar here where, yeah, you can have 12 million, but it's not 20 million. So it's a failure, which it's, is It's almost as if infinite profit is a bad uh, <laughs> aim for companies to, to have. Uh, yeah, again, like one of the biggest problems with, with this in general is that these companies are looking for recurrent spending in a market which is yeah. oversaturated and where people today... There's a cost of living crisis and people have a lot mm. less expendable cash to spend on their games. So you have to pick and choose what you're going to spend your money on, especially, and we might mention this later, I'm not sure if this is going to be on the docket, but games prices in general just going up. People have to be picky about the experiences that they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then what does it say, like looking forward, like for upcoming live service games and particularly because we had last year, um, Sony bought Bungie and then there was a story about, you know, they're investing in, I think it was like 10 live service games for the future. Is that still going to be a thing or is there going to be a, a cooling? Oh, that's, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I'm not like business minded at the best <laughs> times, but like I, I want to say maybe they would like hold back on this. But with the industry, I always feel like they're going to make the worst decision possible <laughs> and not think about the consequences. So I imagine like it's like we're just going to keep throwing ideas at the wall until something sticks, mm. which is seems like the yeah. biggest waste of money imaginable. But it. Mm. It's, uh, I could just, I just, I could just see that happening. I don't know why until like, unless there's something else that comes out, which is like a super big success and they'll be like, okay, that's the next thing, you know, <laughs> yeah, now we're it was, gonna do that. Yeah. you know, we, we went through the MMO period, then we went through like the, the MOBA period, then the battle Royale period. And now we're on live services. Everything's a live service. Um, I, I just, I'm, I'm waiting in horror to see what the next big thing is that everybody jumps on the next bandwagon. And how it's going to continue to to um, damage the industry. <laughs> what do you think, Tessie? It's almost as if like they should just make games that and focus on making a good game yeah. rather than <laughs> jump so on a novel, novel idea. It's, it's so odd. Like Square Enix, I think, said that their single player games would have uh, they would have had like a very profitable uh, like quarter if they hadn't released Avengers. Like Avengers actually like lost them money, and uh, that whereas their like single player games were all doing like great yeah, uh, in yeah. comparison, it's like it does feel like the industry has, has lost their way to like chase things that that uh, mm. that that aren't necessarily great. Like the new thing is NFTs, and I'm like, no, please oh, yeah. stay away from NFTs. Yeah. <laughs> Goddamn, yeah. Square Enix, please. I don't need an NFT with my my uh, figure <laughs> of Cloud Strife. That is not what I want, you know. It's, but yeah. that's the problem when it comes with an industry that's at this scale. You you get the the money people making more All decisions. the major decisions, yeah. Yeah, and I especially as problem. we are in this point of like a lot of growth within the video games industry, like it is expanding and it's getting a lot more... Like its commercial reach is expanding. And with that, it's like, like you said, Nigel, it's more of a money chasers Mm -hmm. um, that are making those decisions. And and obviously, they also have the money to put the investment in the games to be made. (laughs) There's there's a lot of people like coming in from outside of the industry at these higher levels who only care about making the most amount of profit in the shortest amount of time without really caring about what it's going to do to the company in the long term or what it's actually going to do to the quality of the uh, experience of the games that you're putting out, which is 
really, really not great and potentially <laughs> dangerous. Uh, but I mean, it won't affect them because they'll just move on to another company. But it's like money, profit go up, and that's the most important thing. And it's it's it kind of yeah. makes everything feel a little bit dead inside. Yeah. And I and I like I said, I, I get it as a, a very small business, but uh, the the economics still work is just at a different scale. That you you a business needs money. Not mm-hmm. not just the business needs money to survive; it needs a constant flow of money, it needs the, the cash flow. And again, over the years, I've I've understood the difference between like here's a pot of money, go do something, versus I know X amount mm-hmm. is coming in every month. Like I, I get that, but I think like you said to me, it, it's the it's a balance, isn't it? You wanna how do we make money from this, but still respect the the experience, the craft of making a game that is actually yeah. fun and not just there to extract money from its audience yeah and, and respect the end user at the end of the day as well respect that yeah. they don't have all the money in the world so all the time in the world <laughs> yeah or that yeah just respect their time mm-hmm. yeah like understanding your audience is a massive part of business and i know like mm-hmm. people just want to make like a make that like quick money and they want to like make that profit immediately but um it is ultimately like gonna bite them in the butt it's gonna bite all of us in the butt really everyone (laughs) one of the worst things i remember like hearing about this this whole situation was again let's go back to avengers was uh how they essentially like made the game grindier to unlock stuff in the game and then sold Uh, the solution back after that then they they sold like passes for like uh getting like boosts faster and it's like it's the most it's it feels like the scummiest tactics in the world that completely disrespect my people's time it's the quickest way to make players not trust you oh yeah that's like like we we, and like gamers as a collective hold grudges and and can be like pretty savage and so like yeah it's just it seems like i mean to us obviously it seems like pretty obvious that you're gonna you're gonna upset your your player base which is mm-hmm. your income this is the thing that i don't get it's like mm. long term is your like yeah long term they they're your income and if you you upset them now it's gonna gonna mm. affect them in a the long time but maybe it's because like you said mia there's there's people that are coming into the industry that don't care about it and they're just gonna come in like make all these mistakes and leave like all this disruption in their wake and then just move on to whatever yeah. else other business venture whatever other industry yeah short-term have. gains over the long term unfortunately yeah. mm. and then so it's actually you know the studios that are left behind in pieces and with a lack of trust from their player base okay, because yeah. they've had like their investors and publishers and things that have just kind of left them left them to deal with the consequences of the mistakes that they've forced onto them Mm -hmm. i think a lot of players are exhausted as well like uh, for instance i i I got um chocobo gp like Mm. and i remember (sighs) playing like the original chocobo racing game back on the playstation and you load it up and you see a battle pass there i'm like i don't want to have to to (laughs) grind a battle pass in order to unlock like a certain character from a video game just just like let me either buy it as dlc just give it to me like i don't Mm. have time to to put into this just to get one character that i want and all this other chaff that you've just thrown in there like i Mm, it's like every time i see a battle pass now when i load up a game i just sigh that's and i feel like that's a big i don't know I do you feel impression. the same way yeah i get that impression just generally from the because i i mean uh, i'm gonna bring up god of war again but 
just that experience, I like it because I know it's going to end and I'm mm. looking forward to the end. Not because it's a bad game, it's not. It's just I'm looking forward to like the closure and I can I can move on. Like, I'd had that experience, move on to the next thing. And yeah, so I feel when I come across things that just are going to be a drain on time, I just that makes me anxious. I just yeah. uh, don't don't like doing that. It's so odd. Like we've talked about the games that we've been playing. None of us have been playing life service games. Funnily enough, like every experience that I've been having, well, other than Theory Rhythm, which is kind of a little bit live servicey with the DLC they're putting out. Other than that, it's like I've been playing like old classic games that have been remade, which are like self-enclosed experiences. Yeah. And they're one and yeah. done. That's my thing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the industry needs more of that again, unfortunately. And like, I definitely miss, like, I think I've been saying on a... Um, on the podcast for a while like give me them short games mm. i want to be able to like <laughs> i don't have time to like complete a game like i genuinely want like really short games i'm talking six hours <laughs> yeah honestly <laughs> I, I'm talking, I it will take me one or two yeah. things like yeah so i mean i do feel that we're gonna still get a lot of life service i'll, I'll cap with this quote from stacy henley at the gamer which uh she says the the biggest studios still know that just getting one of these games right covers the cost of getting five wrong I feel that's the way it's going, at least for the, the short term. Mm. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, so because if you right. get that, right. that wall, is right though. <laughs> that's yeah. That's the frustration, honestly. So <laughs> such a good game. We are going to be playing Knockout City again between now and uh, and June multiple times. So we've got uh, one one o'clock. So we've got going to be playing that. So definitely watch us play that. You can also submit your own video game stories on our Discord. So as we do these roundtable. Uh, episodes throughout the year uh, and you think there's something that we should be talking about let us know point us in a direction so uh, it makes me putting the notes together my job uh, easier feel free jump in the studio 77 discord and share the topics and we'll be using that to put together uh, conversation starters in future episodes so all right so we're gonna jump around and uh, look at what's been happening with some of the different platform holders. Uh, we'll start with Microsoft. We've got seemingly uh, never-ending, but I think will definitely end this year, uh, pursuit of Activision Blizzard. So just for some background, last year, Microsoft entered into a $68.7 billion deal to buy Activision, one of the most popular, uh, is probably the right word, definitely one of the biggest video game publishers in the world. So the transaction is the largest video game acquisition in history, as well as the largest acquisition that Microsoft has ever made. And Microsoft will put a lot of money down on a lot of things. So that should tell you the state of gaming now. Um, but with deals like this, they need to be investigated for like anti-competitiveness and things like that. So that's where Microsoft are. And one of the things I picked out is actually uh, relevant, particularly to uh, us UK gamers. So the investigation from the Competition Markets Authority here in the UK has provisionally concluded that Microsoft's proposed acquisition of Activision could result in higher prices, fewer choices, or less innovation for UK gamers. And to quote from their press release, they mentioned that the evidence available to the CMA currently indicates that Microsoft would find it commercially beneficial to make Activision's games exclusive to its own cloud gaming service or only available on other services under materially worse conditions. So this is uh, talking about, you know, games, business, and things like this. This is like the, this is the quintessential example of like what 
um, games becoming a massive business will bring. It will bring more of this. And Microsoft uh, are no strangers to being investigated in this way because they've had it before with Windows and Internet Explorer and uh, being threatened with breakup of company. So they kind of, and this is, I, I imagine this is no surprise to them. But interesting to see what has been pulled out of this reports and similar reports like in the US about like harming competition. So I don't know, like Tazzy, you're... Uh, I guess you you you've got a Microsoft hat on. Like, how do you see this deal? Is it something that will harm gamers? Are we seeing? Are we expected to see higher prices for your choices? How do you see it affecting the rivalry as well between like Xbox and PlayStation? Um, I think it's definitely something they they can do. And I've I've said from the beginning of this sort of like acquisition is that like I'm excited as a consumer of things that has xbox game pass that's like oh yeah just just things are in game pass and it's great but but then actually like looking at it from a broader perspective it does massively concern me um so i'm glad that the cma are taking it seriously at least Mm. (laughs) and that obviously they have a lot more information and i don't think they're going to be like it's not like they're out to get gaming if that makes sense <laughs> they being the cma yeah i mean yeah they're out to make sure that competition is somewhat fair yeah i mean that's the purpose of the, yeah. Yeah, of the organization of the body i know. just i just wonder like i just i'm just curious i want what's going to be best in the long term and i don't think i can be a good judge of that <laughs> right now mm because yay games on game pass but i like i know it's not it's not good (laughs) you know (laughs) i would say one of sorry go ahead yeah no i was just gonna say like i i know the the risks and just the effect that that game pass and this model could have on the industry as a whole going forward and i i don't want it to be that i don't want it to be that that's our only option i don't want i don't want to feel forced to have game pass i want it to be my my choice and that i'm enjoying it here because i have that choice and that if that if that is removed if it's the only option i'm gonna hate it it's gonna feel like a cage <laughs> i think one of the things that concerns me is as with any monopoly is like again it's kind of anti-competition in a sense because now microsoft and um, is in charge of all of these game studios and they're they might make the decisions to put all their money in specific places which means projects that could have happened mm. might not get the green light or the funding that they were going to get because it's all underneath one 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 roof now rather than being like something somebody would take a risk on it might be okay now like we had with this live service conversation oh we're going to make this a live service game because that's what is successful quote unquote right now and these corporate decisions are going to lead to worse products or products just not existing because they're all under the same house and there's only so much budget to be applied in these cases what i say like microsoft flashed microsoft's live service is game pass (laughs) that is there you pay us monthly for for the the privilege of playing these these games and yeah you make a good point is it this is a tricky one because so i i think this deal will will go through i don't see just from my understanding i i don't see it being too much trouble going through just because i think microsoft might have to make some concessions i think mm. that I, I know when the deal first broke they made 
<laughs> they were very clear to say that this would make them still third place or the third biggest game. Not the number one, so it's not Monopoly. And I think recently they announced something about it was Call of Duty on the Switch. So I feel from a PR perspective and signaling to these regulatory bodies saying like, you know, we're, we're making the changes and, you know, it's, we're not just taking over. So I think there's more of that to come and maybe in some of these investigations, you'll they'll have to, they'll be forced to make some changes. But I think mm-hmm. it will go through just because in, from a wide, wide perspective, you have Microsoft with a lot of games, but still there being a lot of choice in in gaming. So they're not necessarily preventing anyone from playing games at a, on, on some level. But it is interesting to see like the things that are coming out in in these filings from both Microsoft and Sony as well, like seeing how Sony views Call of Duty, for example, mm. um, and it, the alternatives. I think there was a story about them saying like, you know, it would hurt us if we lost Call of Duty and we've, we've only got Battlefield and that that's just not good enough. And like, oh, well, uh, what did the Battlefield people make of that? But yeah, and I feel, yeah, I, I think it will go through. I, I think this is going through. And, and I don't see Microsoft... Oh, actually, I was going to say, I don't see Microsoft keeping everything for themselves as specifically things like Call of Duty, just because they seem quite willing to share in some respects, like Minecraft is an example. I think at this mm. point, yeah, but it's, it's the future that worries. I could change, yeah, yeah, that's the, yeah. <laughs> Again, it's, uh, we can't really say what's going to happen in the long term. My uh, my worry about the, this uh, this whole report is that maybe it's given Microsoft ideas more so than anything else. I would I would possibly say we we have no idea what's coming and it's really going to be down to a business decision at the end of the day whatever they think is going to make them the most money is it a stupid decision to to go for the exclusivity side of things and mm. then put everything on game pass so it's only accessible on either Xbox or like Windows systems or is it going to be better for them in the long term to make sure that the games are available on those other systems uh, to make sure that the games are available on you know, the Nintendo platforms or, or Sony yeah. platforms. And honestly, I do feel like they'd be shooting themselves in the foot if they if they decided to just limit themselves to to putting it all on their own platforms. But as we've been saying, it all it takes is one higher up who doesn't necessarily understand the industry that well to come in and be like, why aren't these or just, you know, on our systems and just make a stupid decision like that. So it's possible it could happen. <laughs> I just don't think it's a good, obviously, a good business decision. Yeah, but do we trust? Do we trust companies to make? Yeah, do, we, yeah. do we trust corporations? <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Um, yeah. mm. <laughs> you know, I will say you. Yeah, so you, you shouldn't necessarily trust corporations. But one of the things I've found to be pretty true is like if you understand how a corporation makes its money, you'll better understand its decisions. And for Microsoft, like the the company. From the time that their their current CEO uh, Satya Nadella, he has essentially ushered in this age of because like Windows and stuff used to be like box product and you you'd buy mm. that and he's shifted this to their cloud platform and if you look at everything Microsoft it's all going towards cloud so like Windows Microsoft Office which historically are, that's how Microsoft made their money but then it then it starts to make sense where uh, Microsoft and Xbox have such a focus on Game Pass which is their essentially subscription service so under current leadership i can see them spreading spreading the love to a certain mm. extent so to so to speak 
but that can that can change yeah i do also feel like that can be part of like a play it's like look yeah we're spreading the love but you fully well know that like playstation gonna be like no we don't want it and then they'll be like well we offered it so it's not our fault (laughs) (laughs) we're not the bad guys It's a, it's a smarter decision to make sure that all this stuff is available on Game Pass for like, again, for the end user just to get that value out of that service. And that way you don't have to like stop it from being on another platform. You just offer it on your platform, on Windows, on PC and say, it's all here. You can get it on that other platform uh, and spend like $70 for the game, or you can just spend 15 quid a month and have access to everything. Like they don't, necessarily have to limit it they just have to put it on there and make it available and it just becomes a better financial decision for the end user i mean speaking of game pass one of the other things that's uh, that's come out from all this is the impact that game pass is having on the sale of individual games so Mm. apparently uh game pass is cannibalizing game sales which i mean to me is not surprising but yeah (laughs) um i don't know if if others are surprised but there was a uh, a whole document i think this also came from the uh, the cma uh, report where it showed that microsoft had submitted an internal analysis to the government body that showed a and apparently this part is redacted the exact percentage but a percentage a non-zero percentage decline in base game sales 12 months following their addition to game pass is that is anyone surprised I, by that? Slightly, but I also want to know like what types of games. Like I'd love to know this mm. like broken down because I remember an article it must have been about six, no, but more than six months ago. Sometime early last year, about this was specifically for indie devs, that their games sales or their income was increasing. Oh, for that indie dev yeah okay interesting it's like so yeah no i'd just be like super curious as to like what games are losing Losing people buying them yeah Yeah. Uh, well the sales going down in general just mean that those companies are losing money or they're getting their money from game pass instead Mm. so yeah street doesn't make the distinction or at least not that i've seen also the fact that like cost of living has gone up <laughs> mm. in that time like i feel like i i feel like i'm i'm maybe looking at rose tinted glasses here but i've given <laughs> them too much of the benefit of the doubt but like i feel like that's is it the percentage of game sales or is it it's percentage. the number okay okay yeah that changes things then. interesting yeah. interesting and because yeah. to me as i look at it I, I would have thought that if you if you have things on a service where I don't have to pay additionally to play certain games mm-hmm. and that service has been out for long enough where now the expectation is this is coming on Game Pass and, you know, Microsoft feed into that because even when they do their showcases, everything is Game Pass day one on, on Game Pass. So mm. when a game comes out, you'd think the behavior then changes to, well, I don't need to buy that because at yeah. some point I mean, it's going to be on game pass i think it depends so like i've literally done that i've like okay. like <laughs> high on life for instance i didn't buy that because uh, it was on yeah. game pass like i literally just picked up game pass for that month instead just being like it's cheaper just to play it here it was a one and done thing i never finished it as well because 
of the news that came out about mm. everything oh, surrounding yeah. that. Um, but <laughs> what, what interests me is that with these reports, the percentage of game sales going down, are they counting? Like, I want to know how, how, are ga- how do games make money through, and this is not something I've looked into, how do games actually make money through Game Pass? Are they given a percentage based on the number of plays? Or like, is that percentage of game sales going down not taking into account people playing it on Game Pass? Because obviously, if it's available there, then the percentage of games that are sold is going to go down. Yeah. And also, did you specific, specifically say that the article said game say like there was something in that word and you said i was like oh, yeah uh, a decline maybe... in base game sales 12 okay. months following their edition on game pass so that also doesn't talk about dlc <laughs> mm. so it's like has no. base game gone down and then dlc increase because take like the sims 4 for example there's a lot of dlc for that game like that's fair but then i imagine for the for the average game the the any dlc doesn't equate to the like even if you yeah. got the game on Game Pass and then bought DLC, it wouldn't equate to like buying the game just because the numbers are less. Right? I well, yeah, but then like maybe more people are buying DLC because you get right. a chance to enjoy the base game. Oh, like, and you I, continue. Before, okay. Yeah, because before I'm like, I don't buy DLC. <laughs> you know, maybe buy a, buy a game and then buy more stuff on top of that. Well, I don't like it. Anyway, but with Game Pass, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just uh. Maybe I'll just buy the DLC because uh, didn't have to didn't have to pay the pay for the base game. Like, let me just let me just do that, and then yeah. okay. when something gets removed from Game Pass, like we happy few, and you're like, okay, let me buy this game because now oh my um, god, cannot imagine my life without it. That's uh, a great <laughs> way of doing it. Oh, that's so clever. Yeah, just remove them from Game Pass after a time, and it forces which the they, consumer to make the purchase again, which they do. Ah. they do that a lot <laughs> and they also do a, a discount on the game when it comes off game pass and they give you a lot of warning like i get alerts yeah. constantly like by the way these games are coming off game pass get them a discount <laughs> and i'm like um, hida, um, um <laughs> like yeah i definitely think it's worth jumping into the weeds on that one and investigating further because it makes a, a good headline to say game yeah. sales are going down because of game pass but that doesn't actually give you the information on yeah. how the yeah. money works out for yeah that gives us no information it just says game sales i'm like that could mean anything <laughs> and i guess it, it, it's a be an interesting look to like game pass is like you know the best deal in gaming and i i guess it is for the consumer and mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to know more about how it works for the developer because mm-hmm. there's sort of three parts here there's there's microsoft the publisher there's the the people who make the games and the people who play the games and i think it's clear that it, it's a good deal for the people that play the games maybe wondering like yeah what does it look like for the developers and and what level of developers because i imagine there are different deals in place for mm-hmm. uh, indie developers versus sort of your i don't know i guess not quite well, yeah. first party or second party developers so yeah it's, and i think the discovery there's element like i'm i'm sure for some games that the discovery element of like being discovered on game pass is is better for them than just mm. Well, that depends where you're looking on Game Pass, because like if it's the Windows Store, maybe not. You know, like <laughs> I, well, I don't think there's. Is there any like I know there might be a front end on on the Xbox console yeah. itself, which like showcases stuff. On the PC side, that doesn't seem to exist. On on Xbox, there definitely is. I'm constantly being shown shown mm. and showcased like that's, new games, that's great. different games. There's even a play random game button 
Like, oh, really? Play random game oh, right. games. That's alone. really dope. And yeah. but you can cloud game on your Xbox. So say if you don't Damn. have the the download for whatever reason, like download speed or space on your console, and you're like, I really want to try this game and see if I like it. Let me play it via cloud for a bit, and then you're like, mm. huh. Actually, this is worth me spending the time to download it. And like, I mean, yeah, that sounds amazing for like discoverability in terms of uh, of video games. My one concern, and probably a, like a larger part of the conversation, which is going a little bit off topic, is is games availability in general, like changing, mm-hmm. like uh, the lack of physical media being released oh, now. Oh, even, yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's even games yeah. in themselves, like not being whole on release yeah. like even box games needing patches mm. to actually make them somewhat playable that is my biggest pet that's, peeve that's worrying that is that is definitely worrying for the future because like yeah. like so these games if they disappear off game pass and they haven't got a physical release is it going to be like scott pilgrim versus the world where the licensing deal went away after a while and there was no physical version you just couldn't uh. play that game anymore that's mm. that's the only thing that that worries me about all of this, but that's a yeah. bigger yeah. conversation about like yeah, digital no, that's an interesting games conversation. in ownership, game yeah. pres- preservation, and game yeah. ownership. Mm. Definitely, ah, oh, that definitely worries me. I, like that particularly, like games, physical games that aren't released, like as a whole game. I can't remember what game it was, but someone was like, "Oh yeah, I bought it," and then they had like a ridiculous gig download. Yeah, like, up in the sixties, and it's like wow. just. That's just a waste of resources on so many levels. <laughs> yeah. That you shipped a physical thing that didn't isn't have, finished. Yeah, even um, I just I just feel like uh, man, I just need to have like a more holistic approach to to this industry and like yeah. look at. I know it goes against like capitalism. This whole ca- yeah, this whole capitalism <laughs> model is going on, but I just I just don't subscribe (laughs) we could go down a massive rabbit hole of like how we're focused now on consumable media and and that everything is basically made to be consumed and then just forgotten about afterwards but but, uh, i'm not gonna get this i just like looking at my snacks that i just got out and i'm like don't worry (laughs) you'll always be still play those games I mean, we're going to be talking about Steel because it's still got to work its way through different uh, regulatory bodies. Uh, as we record tomorrow, Microsoft is going to defend their deal in an EU hearing. So there's more to come. And yeah, I think by June is the expected completion. So yeah, I imagine we're going to be talking about this and all the other bits of inf- interesting information that uh, that come out. Let's let's talk about Sony, and I want to merge a couple stories. Just a uh, speaking of numbers and, and capitalism, um, it has been reported. This is from uh, the IGN saying that Sony has announced that its PlayStation Five console has now surpassed more than thirty million units sold, and that the console shortage is essentially over. It's done. It's done, guys. Sony Interactive Entertainment president Jim Ryan revealed a new figure at Sony's CES uh, tech conference, which was in January, and that is a number that is up five million from the twenty-five million figure revealed two months previous. So. The mm-hmm. story I wanted to also combine that is more numbers. I'm just like chucking numbers at you, but um, probably more interesting because it's tied to uh, The Last of Us and their new HBO series that has apparently driven or yeah, driven a 238% jump in PlayStation's UK game sales. And I, it seems like, I don't know, have 
are of you started watching or have been watching that series i've seen the first two episodes of uh, last of us okay i have yet to start watching it waiting waiting for it to be a whole thing so i can just binge it all <laughs> okay it's good it's good right. of course there's also the lack of uh, accessibility to that series as well in the uk it's like all through sky and if you don't uh, want to support yeah. sky yeah and you know rupert murdoch capitalism Cap- yeah, boy. yeah this is also where i plan to binge it on a free trial <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fair. So, so we've got the threads here like that. The shortage is over, and Sony seem to be selling uh, a lot of these PS5s. And then the Last of Us angle is because we've had, you know, they've they've released remasters of of the game, or remakes, remakes or remaster, both, both, yeah. And that's kind of at a time met with I don't know skepticism, suspicions sort of why they're doing this, why can't they put energy into other games. Does something like this, seeing the increase in the, the game sales from our, and this, again, I'm putting the business hat on, uh, does it now make sense um, what, they are, they're, what they've done? It always made sense. Yeah. Not, 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 yeah, like always understood that they were doing it to push sales, but still salty about it. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it makes <laughs> complete sense. Humor, I'm salty yeah. because I have already played said games. Mm. <laughs> I've already, mm. I know the story. I want... I want new material. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Although, I mean, saying that, I still haven't finished The Last of Us 2. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of glad that, you know, PlayStation 5s are available now, considering, like, how much of a struggle it was to even even get them mm. back in, like, 2020 with the uh, the component shortages just leading to just the lack of availability. And then you had the scalping problem on top of that. Yeah, same yeah. with graphics cards. So just any, yeah. any electronics, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it affected all the companies. You know, Switch is also... And that's probably the reason we don't have a, have a Switch Pro yet is because mm. just the shortage of, of components. But I... I I'm grateful that I managed to get a PS5. I, I used to work at a video game store and I had some contacts back there. So I, they just called me when they came in and just held oh, one nice. side for me. Got very lucky on that. <laughs> but the thing is, I, I I don't think I've touched my PS5 uh, in, like once in a blue moon and I've touched my PS5. I think once I bought it, I played Astro, uh, Astro's, oh, Playroom, Astro's Playroom. And then That's it sat. That is a good game. Then it sat underneath the TV for probably about a good eight to uh, nine months without being touched. It's like, it's great that all these PlayStations are available and it's fantastic that God of War Ragnarok just came out, but it would be, and this might be controversial, there's not that many good games to play on the system. If like you, exclusive games. Yeah if, you're, yeah, if you're if you're in a privileged position like I am to like have a PC and like a Switch at the same time and you can play these games elsewhere, like the ones that are cross-compatible with other systems or the ones that are just like available on other systems. It's like, what is there about ps5 other than the exclusives which there are not that many of that are even drawing you to that console in the first place so it's mm. great that they're available it's just mm. there's I, that do you find nothing draws me to it i was gonna say is this a n- usual thing of new consoles but then even as i say that uh, i realize we are like two years of no going into the third year <laughs> of these new consoles but don't to a certain extent don't you always get that with a new generation of consoles where the console comes out and then it's the the race to actually essentially justify the the purchase with enough new games that are exclusive to that console or have we seen which i feel there's some of where maybe it's a pandemic related thing where we've almost seen an extension of the cross generation period that we get with Mm. for one generation to another which is just seems to extend it beyond the usual time frame this time 
what's very odd to me because like a lot of the games I'm playing on the PS5 are games that are available on the PS4. Which exactly. Released recently. Yeah. Like Crisis Core, for instance, I'm pretty sure that's a PS4 game. And even Theater Rhythm that came out is not a PS5 game. That's a PS4 game that you can play on the PS5. It's like it's it's just like what what is the why why do I have this console? God of War, great. Other than that, did that did I spend this much money just to play one really really good game? Does it justify the purchase? <laughs> mm. That's debatable, you know. Yeah, it is a it's a weird weird scenario to uh, to be in. So I mean, like you say, it's good that the the shortages aren't as as short now, and then hopefully people, if you if you want one, can get one. But then it's the how do you from a industry perspective how do you justify these new consoles with games and and where are the mm. ex- exclusive games to the platform i think like microsoft have that challenge as well hence <laughs> buying a load of studios so yeah I don't know. it kind of ties back into what we were talking about as well it's like uh when if you can only afford one major new console are you going to go for playstation because of the exclusives or are you going to go for xbox with game pass and you have access to all of these games i don't want to like push into like a console war type conversation <laughs> but it's uh it's it's very interesting from a consumer standpoint with, the, again, the cost of living crisis going up. Like some people will only be able to afford one system, one, yeah. even if they are available. Yeah. I'm, I mean, and I'm it, glad that they're breaking the records, though. That's good. And, you know, at some point, we're not going to be in a cost of living crisis. Yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fingers crossed. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Let's go with that. <laughs> That's a very positive outlook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. At some point, we'll, we'll uh, move out of this. And then it's like you've got options and i think we mentioned this before this generation started as in the consoles came out where like microsoft sony nintendo are taking different strategies like you've got game pass you've got like sort of premium like blockbuster AAA games but you're just gonna pay extra to buy the, the game there's no service well i guess now they've got a service but it's not it's not game pass and then nintendo doing what nintendo does and then you get different opportunities different avenues into games which is which is good and it seems to be working for everyone and we're going to jump to nintendo in a moment but so i think that's good there's variety there it's just whether we can get enough games to yeah to justify these consoles what i'd say now mm. there's a ton of games that i haven't even got to so yeah so all right we'll, we'll jump to nintendo and then we'll see what else we have uh we can get to but i feel like the, the theme here through this this podcast is uh is capitalism and pricing so <laughs> so to add to that we've got some nintendo news uh related to their recent direct which i actually missed i was doing a games design workshop the princess trust that whole week so the the people doing the workshop were very up on it and they reminded what they, they asked me and i watched it i totally forgot but then i caught up and seen what was mentioned one of the things that was mentioned is Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Obviously a game that is very much in anticipation coming out mm-hmm. this um, this year. I was about to say this month, scare some people. This uh, this year in May, uh, I believe. And the big news other than uh, sort of new trailer, new, new details, is the price. Tears of the Kingdom will set you back $70. That's $10 more. And I assume the same prices will be in like UK and EU. But um, yeah, they're bumping it up to the what is now becoming the typical quote unquote next gen, even though the Switch isn't next gen, price of $70. So uh, this is a quote from the Video Games Chronicle, who said that when asked for its reasoning behind the price, and if $70 was the trend for Nintendo titles going forward, 
a spokesman at Nintendo said, we're Nintendo and we do whatever we want. No, uh, he didn't really say that. Uh, he said, we determine the suggested retail price for any Nintendo product on a case-by-case -case basis, which I feel was a fancier way of saying what I just said anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so this is something that we've seen where Sony kind of put their head above the parapet first and said, we're going to be charging $70 in 2020 when the PS5 launched. But then everyone else started doing it eventually. So Microsoft started charging $70 for first party. And then now, at least in this one instance, Nintendo are also charging $70 slash uh, pounds. So with this game in particular, do you think this game will be able to justify the price tag? We have, yeah, do we have any thoughts on that? I mean, if it has the enough content, then sure. Like yeah. Breath of the, the original Breath of the Wild is one of the, if not the greatest game on the Switch, if any game is going to justify a $70 price point, it's going to be this one. A Tears of the Kingdom. I honestly hope there's just enough content there to, to, to justify that price point. So then, and then it got me thinking, like, what is the value of a video game? Because this is a conversation that comes up, like, no one wants to see the price of games go up. Like, I, I don't feel there's anyone who's like, yay, you know, <laughs> I get to pay $10 more. But then, you know, if you want to compare it, do the whole comparison to other mediums, like for the, the hours you're getting from a typical game, it's very cost effective, even at $70. So, mm -hmm. and it seems to be a trend. So I guess whether we like it or not, it's something that we're going to be paying. But is it right considering how big games are getting, how much money is going into making them? I mean, that number is only going up. And then, you know, they've held at £60, $60 for a long time 10 dollars yeah. more yeah does it make sense does it does it feel right or should we be demanding games stick to their original pricing i mean having games go up like what 10 to 20 quid in the last 20 years or so is is in in regards to like the rate of inflation i feel like that's pretty pretty okay but at the same time i'm in a very privileged position where as a content creator i get a lot of my games for free so i'm not like I need in... to get your contacts. I need to. Know <laughs> <yours>. <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <But> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's again back to the conversation on quality as well. It's like, mm. yeah, it makes sense that it's going up and that's, that's cool. It doesn't feel cool though. Like no. it's never going to feel great for consumers. Mm. Like, but it also does make a lot of sense. Like not only inflation, but the cost of making games has gone up. Mm -hmm a lot a lot a lot <laughs> yeah. and we expect a lot more from games but you know it's delivering on that content like you said Mia and the quality of it and that like element of trust as well like if I'm paying that much for a game up front give me a full game up front <laughs> a full yeah. working game yeah a full working yeah. game yeah. up front like and quality like i think at the moment we're very much like saturated with games like how many games are on your to oh, playlist we, are. we absolutely like are. we are spoiled for choice one could say there are too many games <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's so many games and as much as people are like oh, we need more games we don't we actually don't we, do, we, we genuinely <laughs> don't need more games like we want more games but we do not need more games trust me there is a game for you to play mm. <laughs> if anything we need less games less, but less yeah. like service games going back yeah. to that conversation and so if we're having like less games but more quality at a higher price i think i personally would be okay with that 
and I'd just feel a lot less pressure when it comes to game and I'd be able to enjoy them more. So I'd be like, yeah. oh, I can just play this one game. If any game can justify a $70 price point, it's going to be a single player experience that is wrapped mm. into itself. That's not a live service game that you're not putting hours upon hours of your life into just to grind out small amounts of content. I mean, I, I as much as I say I get games free, I'm buying the special edition of The Legend of Zelda uh, Tears of the Kingdom. If I can get it, that is, uh, that's been a whole mm. nightmare as well. They sold out within like freaking 15 minutes on Amazon when it became wow. available. But like this game specifically, if it's a single player game that is going to keep me uh, going for a while and I can keep coming back to it and just exploring for like potentially hundreds of hours, like an Elden Ring, I would play, I would pay $70 for an Elden Ring, you know? Yeah. But if it's going to be like a game that it takes five hours to complete where there's, there's not a lot to it, like is that, is the value of that game worth that same $70? Probably not, you know, it's not like, yeah. And also there's uh, regional pricing too. Uh, obviously a lot of people get upset that, you know, games cost more in, in Europe or, or the UK than they do in the US without thinking about like sales tax uh, in the US is a thing over there too. So oh, that's technically, a good point, yeah. So it's more. <laughs> it's, you know. we're, we're paying about the same if you do actually do compare and contrast on average, I guess. Mm. But I guess it just means that consumers going to have to be more shrewd with their purchases and they're going to be able to afford to, to buy less games in general and only buy the games that they they really really know that they're going to want and it might end up being good for the industry it'll end, might end up weeding out like like say these live service games which like if somebody's going to charge 70 dollars for a game that has a battle pass and and xyz mm. added on I'm not going to buy that game, you know? Yeah. And maybe this means that we'll see more free-to-play model games coming out at the same time. Yeah. I think there's sort of like two things, three things that I want to like touch on as well with this. It's 70 pounds as well. Like I want a physical game for that price. Mm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> like I want to be able to touch it and hold it and know that if, you know, a zombie apocalypse happens. I, as long as I can get power, I can still play my game. <laughs> <laughs> Going on a five-hour trek to get petrol to put in your generator just so you can play Tears of the Kingdom on your Switch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or I just have to wait for a sunny day and have a solar panel. Oh, that would... I'll do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's like one of the things is like having having that physical game so that you know just whatever situation you're in you can and because then you can like resell and and there's just more you can do with a physical game um i think the price of of digital games is atrocious <laughs> yeah no definitely <laughs> unless you're on steam is the only place that they're they're an acceptable price and then the other two things was one was physical games oh one was the very nintendo so nintendo's business model way back when like the NES was out oh that is way back like we're talking <laughs> the beginning beginnings of video game time video game time you know? <laughs> <laughs> we're talking the big bang <laughs> <I'm joking>. <laughs> <laughs> but like the, i sort of audio read audio listened to um a lot of books on the history of video games i wasn't there just for full disclosure <laughs> But the the model of of Nintendo um, and very being very picky 
about the games that went on their console and the prices that they were sold for and the limiting factor of how many games a studio could make in a year. And it was something like okay. two, which was crazy in those times. Like studios would push out like a lot of games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In in one year. And a lot of them were not quality. Um, <laughs> and Nintendo didn't want that. So I'm wondering if like Nintendo is just sort of being very true to their roots. Okay. Mm. That would make sense. It would be yeah. very Nintendo to keep that select. I was going to say, make up a word, selectivity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And then my third one, I can't remember. So, <laughs> that's okay. It's definitely an interesting conversation because you have to remember, like, back in, back in like, 1996, when Super Mario 64 came out, that was $60. It was a $60 game for an N64 game. And I was and back I think, then. Like, that's... inflation, for, adjusted for inflation, that's about $114 today mm. doing the math real quick at least that's what google is telling me so it's like <laughs> we are still technically in a a good position for the pricing of games it's just that we've had it good for a really long time that this now yeah. feels like feels hard the worst. and the changes come at, at a particular economic time it, yes, it doesn't help either so it's those factors so yeah, yeah when, no, when it's not a necessity as well like yeah mm -hmm. games yeah. aren't games aren't food or mm. housing yeah. or like warmth <laughs> yeah. well i mean my ps4 is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, when that fan's not doing his job is yeah <laughs> yeah I... like they're not necessities um and so it's the difference between survival and like it's genuinely the difference for some people like of survival like can i can i afford this not because oh you mm -hmm. know i don't really want to pay more for games it's I cannot afford to be entertained because I need to think about my basic needs first. And that's like, obviously, the timing of it, why it doesn't feel so great. And, and even yeah. like talking to people that can't necessarily afford to be playing like the latest games and just i think oh i'm going i'm going off on a tangent here but like people's <laughs> assumptions that people like just are always going to have the latest games yeah or even should have or should have it, right yeah. when there's so many available i mean i can still get hours and hours of fun out of my ps1 like hmm. yeah it's just i feel like as a society of gamers we need to like lay off that pressure as well and um, yeah it might help our industry have better quality <laughs> i really want to push for this quality <laughs> it does seem a little bit short-sighted on the industry side to now be putting up the the prices when consumers are in uh the situation that they're in like that that difference of 10 pounds might not seem like much to some people but like that is a meal or several meals mm. for a person for the, that could be all they have to spend on food in a week and you could argue well, why are you spending your money on video games but it's still a need of a human mm -hmm. being yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think the worst part about this, though, is that um, not necessarily the worst part about this, but the worst part that Nintendo's doing it is that other companies, you can wait for a sale. Nintendo, oh. <laughs> you know wow. that price point is <laughs> yeah. never going to change. Down. Oh, no. 
I've Has never seen anything hold value. I don't think yeah. gold holds as much value no. as Nintendo <laughs> games. <laughs> I think I've seen gold prices drop more than I've seen Nintendo game prices drop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, uh, you don't have Unreal. to buy it on release. You can buy it pre-owned. You can buy it off eBay off someone else. I think yeah. you can get like... Yeah, I've done that. <laughs> yeah. Or... I've had to. Like... <laughs> mm. Yeah, mm. I think we need to pull together as a gaming community to allow everyone to experience Nintendo games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the library of Nintendo games. Uh, <laughs> Working on it, we've got these switches for these workshops that we do, and like, I've got to buy these Nintendo games. Like, Mario Kart is how much? And it came out how long how ago? Long? What is, yeah. go- what is going like, on? But it wasn't, it's not even a new game in itself. It's not, yeah, exactly. That was from the previous generation. Like, you kids better appreciate this. Anyway, that's so it was. <laughs> and there's a, a, a DLC pass for uh, all oh, yeah. these other things too. Uh, but again, a lot of old maps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. But uh, oh, but it's Nintendo, so yeah. uh, we we do, it. we do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nintendo can do no wrong yeah. except for everything that they do wrong. <laughs> do wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we forgive. We we forgive. Uh, and like, forget. I don't think PlayStation and Xbox could get away with it. No, as no, no. <laughs> as much as Nintendo does. Man. All right, so we got so one more story. We'll end with one more story. Do you want a maybe slightly depressing but important conversation uh, about uh, employee uh, treatment in the video games? Maybe a story that fascinates me and just this whole E3, uh, will it, won't it? <laughs> or a uh, look to the future and AI games? Wow, have we been on the same podcast? Have all the stories up to this point been happy-go-lucky? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I'm I'm still riding the high of me getting to talk about God of War, so it's all yeah. it's all been good. <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe something a little bit brighter could be could be cool. Um, all right, the least probably the least dark. Let's let's do the AI one because that's interesting. I don't know if it goes; it might go to a dark place, but we will see. It's a quick story. It's uh, essentially Microsoft testing an AI powered Minecraft where you tell it to build, and uh, so I got this from uh, Forbes. And uh, to quote them, they say Microsoft is currently experimenting with an AI-driven version of Minecraft. In it, similar how you type a prompt into a generative AI program like Midjourney or ChatGPT into a new image. Here you're describing to AI Minecraft what you want to build and it will build within the world of the game. So at a time we're recording this, and I think going forward, because I I think this is genuinely a a game-changing thing, but... Uh, we're in the midst of this like AI discussion around chat GPT and there's been uh, art-based uh, AI programs like Midjourney, uh, like uh, Dolly and things like that. And I feel this is something that's going to come to games. This Minecraft thing was an interesting example of that. Have either of you made use of chat GPT or something similar? And what effect do you think this will have on the future of video games? Big existential question to end. <laughs> So I uh, experimented with chat G, that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> acronyms really don't don't uh, work with me. But um, yeah, so well, it was interesting. It was, I don't know, it felt a bit like talking to Smarter Child on MSN. Um, <laughs> anyone that remembers that? <laughs> but I don't know if I was prompting it right. It's very much prompt driven the what you prompt it with yeah yeah and like for me i have like ai has like two paths 
there's like the art stealing AI mm. <laughs> and just in general, like the AI that's sort of unethical um, and then like an ethical way of doing AI, which is, I don't know if this is the case with like uh, Minecraft, but like for instance, so say for like in Minecraft, if it's built off Minecraft models that exist within Minecraft with information that has been given like by Ooh, like by you players. or like with with consent and with not sneaky consent not like mm. it's in the fine print of some t's and c's somewhere like actual like oh yeah this is like this is the input the input is is enclosed and not just like scraping off google yeah. you know what i mean it's it's yeah, yeah. from a a consensual database the resource is then ai is great it's when it's when the the input for the ai is not been it's not like been consensually given, given willingly and yeah, yeah. It's, and, it's shady yeah yeah and i think i'm gonna call it ethical and unethical ai ethical <laughs> ai is great it's great fun like how fun is that that if you can experiment and play with things like that you know i had a lot of fun uh as a teenager talking to smart child <laughs> <laughs> So that's getting smarter. That could be a lot of fun, but I feel like there's a lot of dangers in AI. And oh yeah, there are. I mean, I don't need to tell people them because there's been tons and tons of films and stories. Yeah, we've been warned. We've been warned. <laughs> we have the warning, um, yeah. and I see people like, "Ah, this is so fun to do," and not being conscious of. <laughs> I guess again, there's a grander conversation here to be had, mostly about like if if like you say, if it's going to be applied ethically, is the uh, the the buildings that it's created are they going to be based on on things that they, that this AI has come up with wholly by itself, or is it like s stealing ideas from from players that have played mine, Minecraft for the last ten years or so? You know, you know what I mean. But it's I think the bigger conversation to be had is like the way AI is applied to art as a tool. Is it like is it kind of like taking some of the artistry and joy? out of that mm. experience like Can having called art this is another thing sorry yeah <laughs> like I, would do i want to get into minecraft press a button and all of a sudden i have this grand structure created for, for me yeah. or do i want to get in the there process. and actually build it myself you know mm. and and actually feel like oh i did something i built something this came out of my head or even if i followed a guide on how to build it you know I guess for an accessibility's sake, it seems like it would be great for people who just want to have adventures and, you know, don't want to go through the whole rigmarole of, of you know, having to build themselves a structure to, to sleep in and they could just see what it comes up with. But at the same time, it's like, it does feel kind of like hollow and empty almost. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's um, interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I feel like, yeah, I, so for me, like, I think it depends what you're like you said what you're going into the game for because like even for me if i'm like just following a guide i don't i don't feel like i'd rather just have it built for me and then <laughs> unless i'm creating it in a way that's for myself but even then sometimes i'm like oh can you just give me the the tutorial bit that you've told me how to build so then i can change the I'll bits i want to change yeah um, and i think it can be great for like prompting or giving you ideas or just yep. just it creates different ways to play and like this like it can be used as a tool and i think as well 
because it's always funny when when something gets added to a game and people are like yeah. oh this is terrible why did you add this to the game and they're like well it's not it's not taken away the bit that you want to do you can still do that that's absolutely fine <laughs> it's just adding like, a new dimension yeah it's just given a different way to play and that's that's okay and yeah. it can especially for a game like minecraft i think it can really bring people together like if i want to hop on a server with a bunch of friends and they're all building like these elaborate things <laughs> and i'm like i want an elaborate thing but i don't have the concentration level like i will get distracted halfway through to the point where when i play minecraft with friends i literally just become the like i think the last time i played on a server i was like the the wolf person i just had loads of pet wolves i was running <laughs> around like i'd be like can i live in your house <laughs> <laughs> with my wolves with my wolves the biggest issue that i possibly have with this is just like ar ai art as it currently stands is like people using ai art to i guess showboat and uh pretend and like yeah. trick people into thinking that this is something that they've done themselves with their yeah, own right, skill right. um I put that in the unethical <laughs> yeah, and I I do think that the way that this is this is written, the way the story is saying is like use use AI powered Minecraft and you tell it what to build. I feel like that's the wrong implementation for AI. I feel like the right implementation for AI in Minecraft is to say, okay, create me countless dungeons to go and explore and like mm. to to create these experiences for you. You know, like Chat GB uh, GP G. Again, PT. can't get the acronym. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. <laughs> like that can create like stories for you, right? And you can yeah. consume those stories. Well, the yeah. same thing can be said about create me an adventure that I can mm. go on with my friends. Yeah. And that way it's not just like a random house that's been built for you, but it's a whole There's dungeon a with yeah. enemies and yeah. like and, and and groups of like bosses and, and places to explore, you know, give you endless amount of content. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, I feel like because I I feel with AI, I think this is something that's just it's coming as <laughs> ominous as that uh, sounds. And I've been making use of ChatGPT, and just I think like I I th just think this is a uh, an absolute game changer. Not necessarily this specific version of it, but just where this goes, and they're just gonna change it. And it's also a Pandora's box <laughs> as well. I think if we're not careful, we there's there's dangers that could be baked into automated systems that scale at like crazy amounts very quickly and we can uh, we, yeah. we can do some damage uh, to ourselves as well but if i take it to the the tools place where like with minecraft and i think mia you, you gave a great example of essentially making that level of creation and tools accessible uh, whatever that accessibility means but it means that people can create things and the way i see it is like it it adds like a it augments your experience of it and it turns you into a conductor where you're not necessarily saying to the AI in a game, like, make me a game and then just sit back. You're you're testing, you're, you're trying this prompt, like mm. as you mentioned prompts, like you're trying this and, oh, maybe that's not right. Maybe I'm going to actually change this bit here. And then you're having that interaction with the system, but it's like following your your lead. So there's still, I think the the creativity and the, the like potential soullessness of it is a, is a good Thing to to mm. mention i i'd like to think there's still some creation in it there's still some back and forth there's still some oh i didn't think of that yeah try this tweak this bit here but it's just like making the process so much more um fluid, fluid. yeah fluid yeah that's a almost that's a like good a word. soundboard 
Mm, like, very much so, um, yeah. Sometimes I like just call my mum up to be like, hey, so I've got this idea and I just kind of need to like say it to someone so that yeah. they then say it back to me in a different yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm saying is AI is going to put your mum out of a job is essentially what I'm saying. <laughs> mm, and I mean, um, Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to go uh, to like another use case of AI. So you go ahead. Oh, as I was just going to mention, like you mentioned putting people out of business. That is one of the issues yeah. with AI. Just Tazzy's like, mom. No, no one else. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, not no, only Tazzy's mom, but like yeah. uh, using AI tools to like replace concept artists for video games yeah. and, and the like. No, absolutely. That's I definitely think you would love so much of that, mm -hmm. that like human, you, you'd get that soullessness with that. Automating processes does tend to lead to like hollow yeah. experiences especially um, those beginning conceptual parts like they are the key bits to have human <laughs> humans mm -hmm. in is the conception of of the idea and the creation what was the other point that you wanted to, to bring up um so i remember a story just popping up briefly on like i don't know my instagram feed or something um about um ai being used to improve npcs in games mm. Okay. And that being experimented with, I think that's a great use case yeah. for AI. Because essentially, we're already interacting with them. We're already mm. having input. It would be, oh, that would be great. extremely I cool for AI yeah. to lead to fully rounded, fleshed out characters, characters as yeah. NPCs. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a great Can you imagine case. like having, we all have a different interaction yeah. with an NPC. Like, mm. you know, even if it's part of the story that maybe it's just... Yeah, you still different. have your parameters, but you just yeah. have that more like I'm natural conversation. Yeah. More, yeah, that's a good idea. Even, even like, oh, just, you know, when it just has the blank space for your name or mm. the, the, the games just like saying, hey, you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, I'm 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 starting to think about that. Oh, was that movie with Ryan Reynolds where all the characters free are guy, free guy? Yeah. Like every game now becomes free guy, where the characters are self-aware and uh yeah. and we're like <laughs> they want more for their lives we're, we're torturing them every single day it's like oh okay um but, uh, yeah it's a very interesting direction to take it um the the biggest issue i have with ai is like how long is it going to be before people make swastiker the ai makes swastikers or oh, make yeah. npcs racist you know yeah. it's uh yeah yeah. You'd have that, to give them. You have to rules. give guardrails. Yeah. Like, guardrails. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. It would still be limited, but it, it. Yeah. There's definitely ways that you can limit it, but still have a experience, you know, like a. Yeah. A more fluid experience. I'm saying no, that like sure. I know about. <laughs> no, no. Well, to that, to that point is like, because even, because Microsoft had a, a chatbot, this was a, uh, some years ago, and they trained it on like the internet. I don't know if it was social media specifically, but certainly the internet. Uh, yeah. And they didn't put in the right guardrails, and, and very quickly it became very racist. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, yeah. but what uh, ChatGPT, to use the recent example, uh, so they've put in, so they they trained it on essentially the internet. <laughs> so they <laughs> they fed all that in up to like I think 2021, and then they put in guardrails. So you you specifically can't like you can't ask how do I make a bomb, or at least not that in that direct sense. And and where it's at now, because it's not officially like released, it's still. I don't know if it's like beta or some kind of pre-release like release. phase as they go through it. So they're going through this, but you can put in those guardrails. The problem is, is that it's almost it's almost trying to guess every interaction that humans will come up. Yeah. So you're, you're always going to be 
playing catch up in a sense. You can put in, you know, just basic things, but just there is going to be that element of it. But I think they can, like, we know that. I say we as in society and the people making yeah. it, not that I'm going to be making it, but uh, we know that. So I, I would like to think that there are enough guardrails you can put in at this stage to limit that I'm kind of thing. Play devil's advocate to that is that that works, but only if you have diverse people putting these rails mm-hmm. in because yeah. the machine ultimately re- reflects its creators like, oh no absolutely and i was as as we record i've i've today been in a uh, workshop slash talk um with a group of year eight students and it was a all-girl class talking about stem and i i brought up ai and i brought up uh chat gpt and one of the things i said to them is that you know, it's it's important for people like you to be uh, in this space. So if there is anyone who's interested in technology and things, like, please do get into it because what we can't have is just one type of person, whatever that type of person is, one type of person influencing the AI, which will impact everyone. Mm. And mm. whether it's games, whether whatever industry, that's going to be a, a, that's a very good point, Tazzy, to bring up. That's going to be so important as well. I, I definitely think, like, as you say, like, it's an incredibly powerful tool, but it just needs, you just need to make sure that it is used ethically. Yeah. And it is game. I, I think AI is like, a, I think it's going to be a game changing thing for better or for worse. <laughs> I think it's going to be uh, some of, some of both, but I think it's going to. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's one of those things that for me, I'm like, I don't think humans should have social media at this point. I don't think we're evolved enough. <laughs> yeah. I definitely don't think we're evolved enough to have yeah, AI. Just, 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 let's let the AI on Twitter to uh, solve all the Twitter disputes that we have with each other. Yeah. That's, uh... <laughs> there we go. Well, I think that and the NPC, AI-powered NPCs and games is a positive way that we can end this. I knew if we kept digging, we'd find some kind of uh, <laughs> positive story in games. So that has been our game video game roundtable episode uh, just to remind people if there is uh, for future if there is a game story that you think we should be talking about on our roundtable episodes uh, let us know uh, jump in the studio 77 discord share your stories uh, and we may just uh, come to them when we do our next roundtable you can also give us your feedback um, in our discord or through email feedback at mymatter.com uh, before we wrap for the episode uh, let's check in with our guests we love to get just a bit more information so we can share it with all of you listeners um so mia what kind of projects you have going on at the moment is there any key news you can shine a light on for us uh well yeah i mean uh i i i stream i'm a vtuber so i do a lot of streaming stuff over from my uh twitch channel which is just twitch.tv forward slash mirabyte we've been playing through uh metroid remastered metroid prime remastered as is said um i'm taking some time off because that's my birthday next week um happy birthday for next week yeah next monday so Thank you. I'm going to be live uh, tomorrow and the day after with Metro Primary Mastered, and then I'm going to take a little bit of a short break. In terms of like future projects, um, I'm going to be potentially working on a, a game show idea that um, I'm, I'm keeping very shush shush because it's very in early stages at the moment, but it's something that I want to try and do and like collab with other cool streamers on. Um, it could be very, very fun, but I'm still in the initial stages of planning that all out. So I just need to 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 get that all together um i'm also the game show (laughs) 
like I've been binging uh, clips of um actually and game changers. I'm just like I wanna I wanna do this. I wanna have this experience. I wanna host a game show. So uh, that is something in the pipeline. Uh, also, I'm the live content producer over at Gaming Magazine. So every Sunday. We either do a uh, podcast, which just focus on a different topic every single time we have guests on. This Sunday, we've actually got um, a roundtable talking about diversity in video games coming up. And that's over at twitch.tv forward slash gaming mag. That's G-A-Y-M-I-N-G-M-A-G. And yeah, if you want to join us for that, that's going to be at 9 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, other than that, every single Sunday, we have something different happening. We do a lot of charity uh, streams, just hanging out with cool queer content creators and just just hanging out generally, just having a good time. So yeah, that's that's on the agenda at the moment. Oh, and I'm going to Japan this year, which is going to be oh, wow. a lot You're of fun. The lead. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. You just dropped that in there. In, uh, it's it's going to be... Two days after Tears of the Kingdom comes out, I'm going to be flying off to Japan. And I'm so angry at the timing <laughs> of that. Because it's like, I want to play The Legend of Zelda, but I'm going to yeah. be in Japan. But you're so... going to where they make it. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have a real so adventure. That's mm. like, I can't eat chocolate because I'm going to the chocolate factory. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So um, if you have any uh, recommendations uh, that you'd like to throw at me, uh, for my Japan Japan trip, you can. Where are you uh, have going exactly? My... Oh, I'm going to be spending a, a week in Kyoto. Then uh, going to be traveling for a week, going to. Sorry, no, it's a week in Tokyo. Then I'm going to be traveling for a week, going to Kyoto and Osaka, and I think maybe a day trip to Nara. Still figuring oh. it all out, and then another week back in Tokyo to finish off the trip. You know, go to all the shops, get all the the things. Yeah. Um, yep. The only thing I've got planned right now, which isn't booked, is I want to go to the Eorzea Cafe, which is the Final Fantasy XIV themed cafe, and mm. maybe Nintendo, uh, Nintendo World. World, yeah, at, yeah. Uh, If I can fit it in, though, some of the it might just be too busy on a weekend to to go there one of the days. But I'll kick myself if I don't. So I kind of have to. But yeah, if you mm. have any recommendations, um, that that's this is for the listeners too about what I should be doing in Japan. Uh, let me know. You can find me over at uh, twitter.com forward slash meabytes there too. So yeah, at me. I uh, recommend that you stow me away in your suitcase so that I can come to you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Honestly, I love, this has been, I've wanted to go to Japan for forever and I'm just like so thankful. My sister actually lives out there, so I'll be visiting her and spending oh, some time that's cool. with her. So, I'm so um, excited for you. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be fun. And hopefully it won't be too hot, uh, although it is May, so we'll see what happens. Mm. Well, well, have fun. It's a, it's a great place, and I wish I could go back. <laughs> uh, it's been far too long. Mm. It'll be my first time, so I'm, I'm excited. Nice. Oh, now I'm just sorry. Now you just got me thinking about uh, Japan. Are we, are we still recording? Oh, yeah. Let me end this <laughs> podcast. And, me, <laughs> and then I'll go and check plane tickets and see if uh, I will make my bank account cry close that tab and then just uh play a japanese game uh anyway that's an insight into what i'm going to be doing after recording but that is the end of our show uh so mia thank you for joining us uh you have been a thank you yeah great catch in our net or something mm -hmm. like that i, don't I know, hope i, I made a splash 
Ah, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done. Um, So thank you for joining us. And if you enjoyed this episode of Story X Story, make sure you subscribe to the podcast uh, and give us a five-star rating and review because that helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions. Uh, Don't forget to check out our stories on the Maya Matter website. We've got a number of titles, including the latest release, Serious Through the Fog, available on our website, uh, mayamada.com. Uh, you can also join uh, the Studio 77 Discord server uh, and then stay tuned for our membership that is coming that will give exclusive access to uh, gamepad events and content from the Maya Matter universe. Uh, some of those events and content are related to our Do I Look Like a Gamer video game representation campaign, which we started this year and are continuing as we make it a yearly initiative so that future generations of diverse talent will know that there's a place for them in video games, industry, and culture. So we want to empower people so they can be an active part of shaping the future uh, of the games industry and maybe help tame that AI that we were just talking about. Uh, So we've got a bunch of plans in store, including our photo campaign featuring 40 players and makers, as well as a bunch of events to come. So keep an eye out for that uh, and how you can get involved. And our podcast, we have new episodes available on Thursdays, and those include creator interviews, video game discussions like this one, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. Uh, You can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at mymatter.com. And our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, Until next time, stay safe. Uh, And remember, we hope the podcast has been worth the price that you paid for it. Uh, We'll never have Battle Pass. And you can always just switch us off and walk away whenever you like. Hopefully that's right about now. Take care, everyone.